International. with me as always my uh, co-host Kath Barbadoro how you doing Kath hey what's up Pat I'm good I'm uh, what's up? we were just talking about this so usually a little behind the scenes for our listeners we record on Saturdays most of the time uh, and usually one of uh, at least one of us is hungover. <laughs> at the very least 50% um, of the crew is I'm gonna <laughs> reliably say that's Pat uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm the I'm, I hold it down uh, you know I'm reliable <laughs> But today, the tables have turned. We're recording on a Sunday, and today, I am the one who's hungover. And so, I am uh, fighting fit. Yeah. Pat, you're feeling perky. You're feeling good. You're going to be yeah, on, per- on the ball perky. today. That, that perky is the word. I feel like, <laughs> like, like, like a pert breast. Just Has anyone like ever bang. described you as perky before? I feel like I may be the uh, first. I, I think if so, it'd be totally personality wise. Because there's never, I, I think uh, saggy, is, saggy is quite the, uh, the, the much more descriptive ad- adjective. Now, uh, perky. I, I don't know if I've gotten perky. I've gotten. Uh, I, I've my, my steez has been complimented before. I've gotten that before. <laughs> I, I feel like it, complimenting your steez is just like the masculine way to say you're perky. It, no, that's what it is. I mean, it was like, damn, bro. You know, like I, due to the social constructs that we all live in, I can't like tell you I think you're perky, bro. But like, I love your fucking steez, man. <laughs> no, I, I had a guy stop. A, I was interviewing at a pawn shop one time, and I had a guy stop the pawn shop interview, and he just goes, "I'm just gonna like." He's like this type A, like middle aged Mexican dude. He was mm-hmm. just like, "I'm telling you right now, I'm just gonna stop the interview. I'm just gonna say this. I like your style. I like your energy. I like your steez." <laughs> <laughs> You have a very uh, inviting steez, Pat. Thank you. I test well in pawn shops. <laughs> <laughs> really, People your like main, it. your main demo. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, for our listeners who don't know, Pat has worked in pawn shops for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the Wolf of Twelfth Street, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. uh Man, speaking of uh, wolves and uh, and just people out there getting it and doing it and having a steeze <laughs> and just something captivating about them, I had somebody fun I wanted to talk to about talk to you about today, Kath. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, little lady goes by the name of Cassie L. Chadwick. Okay, I right. feel hold, like hold for applause. I know that this is like an old story, like I this this is from like a hundred plus years ago, uh, but Cassie L. Chadwick just sounds like some like girl i follow on instagram for like yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah, she like, like takes a-, a lot of pictures of like her whole 30 diet like yeah, yeah. cassie chadwick <laughs> i don't know it's just I, I i can't imagine someone from like the turn of the 20th century being named cassie chadwick anyway yeah yeah no that, 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 that's uh that definitely has a modern ring to it like i yeah. see that like for some reason when i hear cassie my sister had a friend named cassie when we were kids and uh this is like in the 80s so what and when i think cassie i always think like um protagonist of young adult fiction from the 80s like, yeah. Like, yeah 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 hey cassie chadwick you know just navigating high school and life and just doing having babysitting with my friends or whatever the <laughs> <laughs> but this, well, this Cassie lady, Chadwick, very this different Cassie situation. Chadwick, different animal altogether. Uh, this was a woman uh, who was just uh, um, 
ahead of her time in terms of just uh, bilking the shit out of people. But uh, definitely, we're going to see in the story. She, this this happens around the turn of the century. Uh, this young lady just decided one day that she was going to tell everybody uh, for, in Cleveland, Ohio, who would listen, that she was Andrew Carnegie's daughter. Okay. And uh, yeah, and you, as we've learned on this podcast, it's that little bit of that little untruth can just open up a whole web of fun. So, oh uh, yeah, especially if the untruth is your tenuous connection to someone very wealthy. Yes, yeah, it, it does a callback. To to our Clark Rockefeller episode, I am gonna I'm gonna uh, start uh, as they say uh, in media res. So Perfect. let's just jump right in to, to quote the term coined by my friend Kath Barbadoro. <laughs> All right, now uh, in the spring of 1902, a woman calling herself Cassie L. Chadwick. Hold on, I, I had the the mic in my front of my face, and I'm trying to read the laptop, <laughs> and, and it's and it's behind the laptop. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> In the spring of 1902, a woman calling herself Cassie L. Chadwick, and uh, there was never a mention as to what the L stand for. I don't know. I think it stood for uh, just It Louise, stood maybe? for uh, looks like a rich person's name. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you got to have an initial in there. You it gotta, just makes yeah. you sound more important. It makes you sound like either uh, you've written like a airport paperback legal drama <laughs> or you come from money that's what that yeah. was for uh i i have i've like most people I have a middle initial uh and i think if i went by it, it'd sound a little classier patrick r Soroyce. yeah there that's, we go yeah yeah it's not like i'd sign a check with that, with that name. <laughs> all right so she took a train from cleveland to new york city and a handsome cab to the holland house at the corner of 30th street and fifth avenue intentionally renowned for its gilded banquet room and three hundred fifty thousand dollar wine cellar okay. uh, it says a handsome cab. It says H-A-N-S-O-M. Uh, so it's not handsome. It's a handsome cab. That might be something that existed back then, or maybe it was just <laughs> you, you jumped on a, on a strikingly good-looking man's back and said, take me to Fifth Avenue. This is uh, your context clue that Pat is plagiarizing from yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, she waited in the lobby, tapping her high-button shoes on the Siena marble floor, watching men glide by in their bowler hats and frock coats, searching for one man in particular. There he was, James Dillon, a lawyer and friend of her husband's, standing alone. She walked toward him, grazing his arm as she passed, and waited for him to pardon himself. As he said the words, as uh, as he said the words, she spun around and exclaimed, "What a delightful coincidence it was to see him there, so far from home." She was in town briefly on some private business. In fact, she was on her way to her father's house. Would Mister Dillon be so kind as to escort her there? Oh Dillon, hell yeah! Now, her father, Andrew Carnegie, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. And so, Dylan, uh, happy to oblige, hailed an open carriage. Cassie gave the ad- the driver an address, 2 East 91st Street. Now, it's 2 East because back then they didn't have as many houses. So, they yeah. started with single digits. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a fact. Uh, first phone number, little known fact, was one. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Now, at, uh, at Fifth Avenue, and they kept up a cheery pattern until they arrived there at a four-story mansion belonging to steel magnate Andrew Carnegie. She tried not to laugh at Dylan's sudden inability to speak and told him she'd be back shortly. The butler opened the door to find a refined well-dressed lady who politely asked to speak with the head housekeeper so from the outside you know she looks like she's invited in the house uh so the guy sees her walk in this beautiful home and uh when the woman presented herself the head housekeeper uh, cassie explained that she was thinking of hiring a maid hilda schmidt who 
had supposedly worked for the Carnegie family, and she wanted to check the woman's references. Okay, the sure. Housekeeper, the housekeeper was puzzled. She was like, nah, you know, nobody by that name's ever worked here before. Cassie protested, are you certain? She was like, gave a detailed physical description, let it, like rattled off details about the woman's background. The housekeeper was like, nah, there must be some misunderstanding. Uh, after that, Cassie thanked her and apologizes, complimented the spotlessness of the front parlor, and let herself out. And as she walks out, she pulls a large brown envelope out of her coat as she turns back to the street. She had managed to stretch the encounter to just under half an hour. As she climbed in the carriage, uh, Dylan, the, the gentlemanly escort she had, he apologized for what he's about to ask, but he's like, who is your dad exactly? And Cassie raised a finger to her lips and said, you mustn't tell anyone, but my dad is Andrew Carnegie, and I'm his illegitimate daughter. And she handed him the envelope, but it contained promissory notes for $250,000 and $500,000 signed by Carnegie himself. Oh, and, hell yes. Yeah. I love this already. <laughs> I, I, Genius. Oh, Anytime I feel like that is if you're going to do something like this, you got to you got to pull the you can't tell anyone. This yeah, is a yeah, secret. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I'm letting I'm you in on a yeah. on a very uh, exclusive yeah. offer and piece of information here. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, gonna, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Continue. I uh, yeah, I'm doing you a fucking favor here, buddy. Okay? Exactly. So keep, keep your fucking mouth shut. All right, now uh, she said that he gives him that gives her this this tons of cash because that's she's her is illegitimate daughter and he keeps her uh, well taken care of right out of the sense to of keep her from going public or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Furthermore, she stood to inherit millions when she died. Now she reminded Dylan, please don't speak of my parentage, okay? Mm-hmm. Knowing it was a promise he wouldn't keep. <laughs> like that's that's the best lie. Yeah. Telling somebody a lie and telling don't tell anybody, but you know they're gonna tell. Anybody, exactly it's designed to yeah. spread a rumor like yeah, you cannot the, yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh so so he was uh, she knew it was too fantastic to withhold and too brazen to be untrue but she never met andrew carnegie cassie chadwick was just one of the many names that she went by okay rewinded a little bit back to october 1857 elizabeth betty bigley was born uh, the fifth of eight children grew up on a small farm in ontario canada uh, as a girl betty lost her hearing in one ear and developed a speech impediment and that conditioned her to speak few words and to choose them with care you know so she became very tight-lipped and uh, whenever she spoke it was it was, it was calculated whatever happened her, it like it made her like uh it gave her like quirky disease yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh i can't hear out of one ear oh yeah, i like yeah, talk yeah. weird now all of a sudden what's happening yeah well man what your what your daughter has here is a case of the quirks <laughs> <laughs> oh she's gonna get into weird movies uh, exactly yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, so uh, the kids would call her peculiar. Uh, they said she would turn inward, sitting by herself in silence for hours. Uh, she would come out of these spells, and she would uh, seem disoriented and mm. refuse to discuss her thoughts. Uh, you know, her family uh, member, uh, her family members often caught, their, caught her signing their names over and over again in a notebook. So from like early on, this, she was like, this bitch it seems haunted. like she was plotting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is haunted me, behavior. My, my daughter is haunted. I would like to return my haunted daughter. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, cool. She, Not cool. Yeah, yeah she's full of ghosts. <laughs> Just <laughs> shock full of ghosts. Yeah. Now, at age 13, Betty devised her first scheme, writing a letter saying that an uncle had died and left her a small sum of money. This for, this forged notification of inheritance looked authentic enough to dupe a local bank, which local banks just at, at the forefront of stupidity. Yeah. Uh, and they if you're going to, che- like, learn how to scam, start with a local bank. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, I have a, a friend named Chris who works at a bank, and he's one of the most unskilled people I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Chris. Get, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I love you, baby. But uh, yeah, no, the uh, the checks were genuine. But the, you know, so he gave her a checkbook allowing her to spend money from this account. The checks were genuine. The account essentially non-existent. Uh, after a few months, she was arrested and warned to never do it again. Uh, and she did it. No, false. Uh, in 1879, at the age of 22, <laughs> Betty launched what would become her trademark scam. Good, if you have a trademark scam, that's it sucks you got figured out, but it's kind of cool you're known for it. Yeah, your signature. Yeah, yeah. I like it. This is my calling card. Uh, <laughs> she saved up money for an expensive letterhead and using the fictitious name and address of a London, Ontario attorney. Because now, oh, meanwhile, she is in she is in Canada. Okay. She, so yeah, she is. Uh, yeah, well, she grew up on a small farm in Ontario, Canada. I mentioned that, but want to make I sure. I feel like here. being Canadian probably helps you scam people because, like, who suspects yeah. a Canadian? Well, all, yes, yeah, yeah. They're it helps you get here. People. And then when you're there learning to do it, you're in the bush league. It's all Canadians, and you're just gonna fucking walk out of there That's selling true. volcano insurance to every. <laughs> Oh man, you're talking about a local bank in Canada? Yeah, that is like the minor leagues of scamming. Yeah, the like, security force is literally a bunch of geese. It's yeah. just like they, they waddle in and they honk at you. Like, All right, <laughs> and they're wearing cute hats and yeah, 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 they're wearing yeah, those yeah. little mounty costumes. Yeah, yeah, it's you so don't good. mind it. You don't mind that it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so she capitalized uh she came up with a simple plan that capitalized on the lackadaisical A simple plan practices. also Canadian. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're from Quebec. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> uh, she uh, so she said that her uncle had died and left her an inheritance of fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Next, she needed to announce her good fortune, presenting herself in a manner that would allow her to spend her inheritance. To achieve that, she had a printer create business cards resembling the calling cards of the social elite, and hers read "Miss Bigley, heiress to fifteen thousand dollars." <laughs> <laughs> so in Canada, having a card that says you have $15,000 is the equivalent of having actually about $17,000 in real money. God like, bless God bless those Canadians and their yeah. trusting nature. Oh, man. She just... Be, before I like they, the idea that you would just write like a specific dollar amount that you were an yeah, heiress yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Nothing I, suspicious about that whatsoever. Yeah, I'm going to get cards because of Patrick Story's uh, heir, heir to $1 billion owner of a big old dick. I'm just going <laughs> to <laughs> Go to Canada. True. You'll be president. Yeah. <laughs> you think Justin Trudeau got in there? Yeah. Cute face and a car. You know, he's giving everybody a card that said he was attractive. And they were like, <laughs> okay, I guess he is. All right, so... She came up with a simple plan that capitalized on the lackadaisical business practices of the day. She would enter a shop, choose an expensive item, then write a check for a sum that exceeded its price. Many merchants were willing to give her the cash difference between the cost of the item and the amount of the check because it's their greed. It's them being greedy. Sure. Uh, if anyone questioned whether she could afford her purchases, she coolly produced her calling card. It worked every time. Why would a young woman having a card announcing she was an heiress if it weren't true? Yeah. So Betty then headed to Cleveland to live with her sister, which that's a Super Bowl of dumb people. Mm. So, um, yeah, Cleveland's just one big dumb competition. I have no opinion on Cleveland whatsoever. Nope. I apologize. Neither of us anyone. have ever been there, but never fuck been them. there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're on the shit list, Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> Now, um, now she she went to live with her sister, who was now married. She promised Alice she didn't want to impose the newlyweds, and she would only stay as long as it took to launch herself. Uh, so while Alice thought her sister was seeking a job at a factory or a shop, Betty was roaming the house, taking stock of everything from chairs to cutlery to paintings. She estimated mm. their value and then arranged for a bank loan using the furnishings as collateral. Genius. So she, yeah, that, that, that's worse than just like eating all the food in the fridge. That's the worst roommate. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, she's she's a, like she's casing the joint. 
joint is what yeah, she's yeah, doing. Yeah. She's just going to a bank to to get the money instead of robbing and pawning. Yeah, it's just like my last roommate was a real, you know, real bad roommate. Oh yeah, what she did, she, you know, not chip in on the bills. Like we like, like eat all the food in the fridge. No, no, she obtained a bank loan on everything I owned and yeah. then defaulted on the bank loan. <laughs> Jesus. So. uh yeah, she estimated the value. When Alice's husband discovered the ruse, he kicked Betty out, so she moved to another neighborhood in the city. Uh, again, 1900s, you could just shift neighborhoods and you're a whole new person. Yep, exactly. Uh, there yeah. she met she met Dr. Wallace S. Springsteen. Fun fact, yes, grandfather of Bruce. No. Uh, <laughs> the doctor was immediately captivated, uh, although Betty was rather plain with a tight, unsmiling mouth and a nest of dull brown hair. <laughs> Her wow, eyes had a singular... that's a really bitchy article. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy shit. But anyway... <laughs> So she um, she snagged she she's uh, punching above her weight. She's out of her yeah. Feet. She's punch, punching above her her, her weight. Okay. Uh, she had she had uh, her eyes had a singular intensity though. They said that's what was like her her, her striking feature was her eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one newspaper would dub her the lady of the hypnotic eye, mm. and the gentle lisp of her voice seemed to impart a quiet truth to her every word. She and her doctor married just before Justice of the Peace in December eighteen eighty three, and the Cleveland Plain Dealer printed a notice of their union. Within days, a number of furious merchants showed up at the couple's home demanding to be repaid <laughs> so yeah dr springsteen checked their stories and begrudgingly paid off his wife debts feeling that his own credit was on the line the oh, marriage man. lasted 12 days what a gentleman imagine that like literally days after you get married you find out yeah 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 <laughs> oh okay oh, i mean what do you do you're like i'm in it i guess it's cleveland's 100 years ago am i gonna do better probably not <laughs> Yeah. So the time had come to reinvent herself and Betty became uh, Madame Marie Rosa and lived in various boarding houses, uh, scamming merchants and honing her skills. She traveled to Erie, Pennsylvania, and she impressed the locals by claiming to be the niece of Civil War General William Tecumseh Sherman and then pretended to be very ill. (laughs) So, hey, I'm related to this person you guys idolize. Also, I am sick. I need a place to lay down for a few months. One witness reported that through a trick of extracting blood from her gums, she led persons to believe she was suffering from a hemorrhage. So she would just ret like oh. pro wrestling cut herself and be like, oh, oh. sorry, oh, I'm spitting up blood. And they'd be like, oh, help that poor woman. Jesus. <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I, uh, the, I mean, I admire her, her commitment because that sounds... Uh, yeah. disgusting and painful. Yeah. <laughs> and check this out. The kind people of Erie turned out their pockets to collect enough money to send her back to Cleveland. Like, you know, the whole town comes together like, just get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, where they're like, we don't want this woman who's like spitting yeah, up yeah, gum blood yeah, in our town. Yeah, She's going to infect yeah, us all. Yeah, bleeding gums Murphy over here. I love the idea of like a Kickstarter to get someone out yeah, of your town. Yeah, yeah just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Please donate to Beat It, my bad sir. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when they wrote for her to repayment, oh, these were loans. I'm sorry. So when they wrote to her for repayment of those loans, okay, they, received, okay. they received letters in reply saying that poor Marie had died two weeks ago. <laughs> After, as a finishing touch, Betty included a tender tribute to the deceased that she'd written herself. I'm sure Aww. it was glowing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very, very charitable to that. Yeah, yeah poor I mean, dead on- woman. Yeah, <laughs> she just went on like for like another decade of her life. She's just doing crazy shit like this. Like she, uh, she lived with a a, a farmer from uh, Trumbull County uh, for a while. I'm sure that was just a stepping stone to her next uh, guy, businessman C. L. Hoover, uh, with whom she had a son, Emil. The boy was sent to be raised by her parents and siblings in Canada. Uh, Hoover, uh, that that dude, died in uh, 1888, leaving Betty an estate worth of fifty thousand worth fifty thousand dollars, probably the most honest money she ever earned. Good job, Betty. Uh, you picked a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now, she moved to Toledo and, and assumed a new identity. She lived as Madame Lydia DeVere and continued her work as a clairvoyant. A client named Joseph oh, Lamb. Yeah. yeah. A client paid her $10,000 to serve as his financial advisor, which I'm sure he'll very quickly find out it was a bad decision. So she basically uh, went, we did a, that, uh, one of our early episodes was about that, um, woman, the psychic woman in France. Yeah. What was yeah, her yeah, name? Yeah. Um, um, Maria Duval. Maria Duval. I, I couldn't remember it. And I was thinking Clea Duval. And I was like, no, that's the girl from the craft or whatever. <laughs> like, no, it's not her. Okay. Yeah. Maria yeah, Duval. Think- this, so she's like, this is a classic scammer yeah. profession. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, so if, she if, has if, her if, signature scam, but she also goes back to the basics. And I respect that. Yeah. yeah she goes back to the basic. Like if, if times get tough, I tell people I got magical powers. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, I do the things everyone has to do to survive. Exactly. Uh, now, yeah, he paid her to be his financial advisor. And uh, he, along with numerous other victims would later claim that she had hypnotic powers. Uh, now, apparently this is a popular concept of the turn of the 20th century. Uh, well, yeah. Who time, wants to admit that they just got soaked? Cause they're yeah, stupid. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. At the time, about 30, about, they say, uh, 30% of the, of the country. I don't know how they got that number, uh, believed that spirits could be conjured from the dead and that hypnotism was an acceptable explanation for adultery, runaway teenagers, and the increasingly common occurrence of young shop girls fleeing with strange men they met on trains. Where has that day gone? Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's like, yeah, that was just a thing. You could you could possibly be a person fucking uh, just like if you got duped out of money, you'd be like, well, they had mind control. They twirled, twirled his mustache and gave yeah. him headache powder. And uh, clearly, uh, it's not that I'm a gullible idiot. It's that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, so this guy hires her on, and uh, what she did was she signed a promissory note for several thousand dollars and asked him to cash it at his bank in Toledo. Uh, if he refused, she explained she would have to travel across the state to get her money. He had an excellent reputation. In Toledo, cash a check without incident at Betty's request, and then cash several more, totaling forty thousand dollars. When the banks caught on, both Betty and Joseph were arrested. Joseph was perceived as her victim and acquitted of all charges. Uh, Betty was convicted of forgery and sentenced to nine and a half years in the state penitentiary. Even there, she poses a clairvoyant, telling the warden. Now, this is this is what's crazy. She earned favor with the warden by telling him he was going to lose five thousand in a business deal, which he did, and then die of cancer, which he also did. So Damn. I don't know how he was. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, I don't know. Maybe back then you could just you, you, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a prison warden that was going to lose five grand and die of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> From her jail cell, she began a letter writing campaign at the parole board, proclaiming her remorse and promising to change. Sure. Three and a half years into her sentence, Governor and future President William McKinley signed the papers for her release, and she returned to Cleveland as Cassie L. Hoover, ready to fucking roll. Married another doctor, Leroy S. Chadwick, president of the Great Name Society. Uh, <laughs> And a wealthy widower and descendant of one of Cleveland's oldest families. I want to believe she just like found him by looking through the phone book and was like, which one of these people is rich? Yeah. Let me go find. <laughs> let me go hook up with him. Yeah. Uh, now she uh, she sent for her son and then she moved in with him to the palatial residence on Euclid Avenue, the most aristat- aristocratic thoroughfare in the city. I mean, it's Cleveland, though. So come on. Mm, uh, yeah. The marriage was. I, I imagine Cleveland was one of the cities that at this time was a major like, oh, in Cleveland. And now it's like we just they're just known for their state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look it up <laughs> no, but, uh, don't look it up yeah <laughs> or, or or look it up <laughs> you know, mm, the, don't look it up 
okay we'll got to agree to disagree uh i say you should google it but you know kath uh she, she's she's better at this stuff all right now uh the marriage was a surprise to chadwick's friends none of them had even heard of cassie until he introduced her as his wife uh her history and family were unknown and there that were is pres- so spooky i feel like anytime i've been in a situation where someone all of a sudden is in a very serious relationship with oh, someone yeah. i have never heard of before i'm like this yeah. is not going to go well yeah yeah you just glare at him you're like leave my friend alone you animal you yeah know? like Get i don't know here. i don't know what your game is friend but like <laughs> yeah, something's yeah, happening yeah. here yeah look what i do is i surround myself with people who you gain nothing by marrying and i don't have to worry about that. exactly exactly <laughs> Now, uh, now people started saying that she had run a brothel and that the lonely doctor had been one of her clients. Uh, he divulged that he only had been suffering from a rheumatism in his back, and he met Cassie, and she generally relieved him with an impromptu massage, and that he couldn't help but fall in love with her compassion. So that's what he said. That's what that's what mm. you say when you marry a magic hand, like, no. baby, magic she hands. Gave, Yeah, she gave me this massage totally free. Uh, so now she was impressed. Now she, Cassie was uh, eager to impress her prominent neighbors, among them including John D. Rockefeller and Senator Marcus Hanna and John Hay, uh, who had been one of Abraham Lincoln's private secretaries. So she bought everything that struck her fancy. Never asked the price. She replaced the doctor's musty drapes and gloomy oil pr- portraits with bright, whimsical pieces. She bought a perpetual motion clock and uh, a perpetual motion clock encased in glass. She bought a what nine- is a perpetual motion clock? Do you know? It's, I, I, I think it's a, a clock that violates the laws of physics. Is it? I bet it's like one of those like pendulum things that like swings because of the earth rotating or whatever the fuck. Oh, it very well may be that. That's, uh, That's my guess. That- all right. It well, sounds like some newfangled snake oil thing that people liked yeah. at the turn of the 20th yeah, century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Petrol motion machine. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, now she also. Uh, now she probably didn't even figure out what that did either, because shortly after that, she bought a nine thousand dollar pipe organ and okay. a musical chair that plunked out a tune when someone sat down. Oh hell yeah! I would love if the tune played varied depending on the weight of the person. <laughs> it just sings your weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two hundred thirty-seven pounds. Like, I mean, no, bought a lion chair. <laughs> uh, she ordered custom-made hats and clothing from New York, sculptures from the Far East, furniture from Europe. During the Christmas season in 1903, after James Dillon told all of Cleveland about her shocking connection to Andrew Carnegie, that's the guy who couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut. Of course, yeah. She brought eight pianos. <laughs> I mean, in, if you're gonna get seven, yeah, you yeah. might as well get eight. Like, yeah, I always say that. Go the Ocho. I've, yeah. yeah, I'm a big proponent. Whenever you're buying expensive things, buy eight and just figure it out later. Well, uh, just like you don't want your neighbors to come over and be like, "Nice seven pianos." Yeah, Where's yeah, the other yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lucky number seven. That's so cliche. You're like, no, I got yeah. eight because I'm better than that. Um, now, yeah, so she bought these and then she presented them as gifts to friends. So that's even more baller. It's like, okay. hey, uh, hey, take a piano on the way out. You're like, what? Yeah, party favors. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> here's the piano. Here's an expensive dog. Uh, now, even when purchasing the smallest toiletry, she insisted on paying top dollar. If a thing didn't cost enough to suit her, one acquaintance reported she would throw it away. <laughs> this doesn't cost enough. Get it out of here. <laughs> like, I kind of love her. I know. She kind of rules. I, I'm not mad at this lady. <laughs> now, uh, when her husband began objecting to her uh, profligacy, 
see. She borrowed against her furniture future inheritance. Inheritance. So she again, you know, her financial associates never believed that Miss Chadwick would be capable of creating an elaborate paper trail of lies. She's a woman; they can't do that. Uh, her scam involved large sums of money from financial institutions, Ohio Citizens Bank, Cleveland's Wade Parking Bank Company, New York's Lincoln National Bank. Smaller sums, though, never less than ten thousand dollars from as many as a dozen other banks. She would take out several loans, repay it with the first money, repay the first loan with money from the second, repay mm-hmm. the second with money from the third, and so on. Classic. Uh, she, yep, she chose Wade Park Bank as her base of operations, entrusting it with her counterfeit promissory notes from Carnegie. Uh, so she's still cashing fucking Carnegie checks here, man. Yeah. Um, she convinced Charles Beckwith, the president of the Citizens National Bank, to grant her a loan of, in today's money, this would fucking change anyone's life. $240,000 plus an additional 100000 from his personal account. And this so is she, like literally 1890 whatever, right? This, like, this is like, this is 1904. When is it? Sorry? 1904. Yeah. So like just that's an amount of money that would uh, completely transform my life now. Yeah, like, exactly. Let alone yeah. back then. That's eight pianos money, baby. It's crazy. <laughs> Man, that's buying eight pianos and forgetting about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I woke up with a new piano. That is that song to the tune of "I Woke Up with a New Bugatti." Anyways, um, <laughs> I would I would really like it if uh, rappers started like that started becoming like a new sign of wealth is yeah, just buying yeah. pianos. <laughs> just doing an interview. That'd be rad. Between blunt hits, like, <laughs> I went out and bought eight goddamn pianos last night. <laughs> Got a piano around my neck. Got a just house like, on my wrist. <laughs> just like rap songs about Steinways and stuff. Like, that'd fucking rule. <laughs> or just like rap, like, yeah, very high-end appliances. Like, I'd better, like, <laughs> I, like I, I, I want to fuck with a rapper that owns a Juicero. You know, like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. So this guy gave her two hundred forty grand as a loan for the bank, and then a hundred grand for the personal account. He just said, "I believe you so much." A Pittsburgh steel mogul, likely an acquaintance of Carnegie's, a guy that knew Carnegie, gave her eight hundred thousand fucking dollars. <laughs> and uh, through the prestigious Euclid Avenue Baptist Church, Cassie connected with Herbert Newton, an investment banker in Boston. He was that's again, I feel like, 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 like Clark Rockefeller. Learned from these stories is that if you're gonna do the high society grift. You gotta find the church they You gotta find to. the church, yeah. Yeah, and this was Euclid Avenue Baptist Church. And that that yep. was their that was their whatever Clark joined. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he was thrilled to provide her with a loan and wrote her with a check from his business for seventy nine thousand dollars and a personal check for twenty five thousand dollars, a hundred and four grand total. He was even more pleased when he signed a promissory note. No, she signed a promissory to note for a hundred and ninety thousand dollars and one hundred I'm sorry. $190,800 without questioning the interest. Here's the thing. A lot of these guys are writing into these fucking loans with exorbitant interest rates because mm-hmm. they were like, oh, I can cheat Carnegie out of a few fucking hundred grand. Yeah. And so they're do- it's all like their greed. That I mean, great. She, she's lying. She's being dishonest. And she obviously has uh, greed as a, as a hallmark trait of her own. Sure. But these people aren't doing this shit out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it. Oh, I'm going to make all this money back. No, and, yeah. And, and, it's, and, and, and she's scamming people who are themselves uh like getting super horny for how much money she has yeah yeah horny for that money (laughs) yeah and and just taking advantage of that because like their eyes light up like oh i'm gonna get i'm gonna get my like i'm gonna get my ends on this too and then uh you know and, good and, and for what, her, man. Again, good for yeah. her. <laughs> and what you see is like you you definitely um these people like they're like they're looking at her like uh they're not looking at her 
I'm imagining as a peer, they're like, oh, look at this young girl blowing all this fucking money. Right. I'm going to help her blow it on me. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like they think they're they think that they're like manipulating this chick. And uh, right. Yeah, it's just. Uh, and that is, I feel the the a hallmark of a good scam is you make the person you're scamming feel like they're taking advantage of you. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> then they'll be a lot more likely to play it cool when things aren't cool. Yeah, 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 and it's it's it, because they, they got they got scammed too. I got scammed out of some fucking money one time buying a car, and I didn't tell anybody until right now. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, I, I my dad, um, I probably can't get into the details of this story, but uh, my dad is a is a judge, and one time he heard a case of these um, con these con they were basically doing this. They were getting um, they were they were trying to get loans for small businesses, and they tell this business like. Oh, uh, I can get you like half a million dollars, but I need a down payment from you of like $200,000. Yeah. So the, the small business would give them that money and then they would just kind of skip town. But anyway, these con men themselves got conned by like a Nigerian prince scam. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. So Hell it's like, yes. it, it is like, cause they're just, they blew like all this money that they conned on another person's con. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like at that point you should just get to keep the money. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good for that Nigerian prince. Yeah, anyway, exactly. continue. When he gets back on the throne, man, and uh, me and him meet up, and he gives me that check, dude. I'm gonna see, like, hey, I heard how you built those two fucking idiots, man. Yeah, I'm gonna feel. It's good. gonna be yeah. like coming to America in reverse. It's yeah, gonna be yeah, great. Yeah. I just, yeah, I can't wait till he gets back to me because that dude, he's yeah, we got a little thing going on ourselves. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, now um, so all this is happening in like uh, the, the, the 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 real crazy like balls to the walls like uh element of this like of this money lending is happening within one year uh Mm -hmm. it it happened between like late 1903 and november 1904 so um and there's years leading up to that but like this like this like berserker mode of getting it is all over the course of one year and now you can only you can only dance this dance for so long. Uh, now, by November 1904, uh, the Newton Bank had realized that Cassie had no intention of repaying the loans, let alone any interest, and they finally filed uh, court in Cleveland, uh, filed suit in federal court in Cleveland. In order to prevent her from moving and hiding her money, the suit requested that Ira Reynolds, secretary and treasurer of Wade Park Banking Company of Cleveland, who himself had lent most of his personal fortune to Cassie, should Damn. continue to hold promissory notes from her father. Now, at this point... <laughs> they're still saying that like hey hold on to those notes because her father Andrew Carnegie is going to want to make good on all these right loans. he's going to yeah. come make this right because he doesn't want this getting out about his yeah uh, exactly his, 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 deadbeat his, ne'er-do-well illegitimate daughter yeah so Cassie denied all the charges and also the claim of any relationship with Andrew Carnegie she said it has been said repeatedly that I asserted that Andrew Carnegie was my father I deny that and I deny it absolutely <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. she did only tell that one guy she let the powers of insinuation do the rest of the work. She's literally hitting Good the, the triumvirate here. She 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 cheated. She stole, and then she lied. She yeah. hit the, like, the, the big she three. Hit the, she hit the slot machine. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Bing, yeah. bing, bing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the coins. That's coins coming out. That's my sound. <laughs> All right. So uh, Charles Beckwith, the bank president, visited her in jail. Although Cassie's frauds had caused his bank to collapse and decimated his personal wealth, he studied her skeptically through the bars of her cell. Staring at her, he just said. You've ruined me, but I'm not so sure yet that you are a fraud. (laughs) 
Damn. Talk about just holding on to like, do you like, no, no, this woman has stolen millions from me, but I do. There's something about her that I believe. And he, in his head, he's probably thinking that he's just, uh, that he's like, that's, this is intelligence making a last ditch effort to redeem itself. Right. Well, yeah. it's like people can't, if, if, if you are, you have convinced yourself that the world is a certain way and then the world, uh, clearly shows you that it is not that way yeah psychologically you just have to be like well no this is just this yeah, actually yeah, means yeah. the world is definitely that way because basically what i'm saying is all just uh a metaphor for what happened when trump got elected is yeah, what i'm trying yeah, to say yeah. is people just it you it breaks your brain and then you can't understand yeah 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 anything yeah. after that so that's what happened to this dude yeah uh, God he, bless. he went through his own personal 2016 election exactly <laughs> So, uh, to this day, the full extent of Cassie's spoils remain unknown. Uh, some historians believe that many victims declined to come forward. Uh, the most commonly cited sum, $633,000. About yeah. $16.5 million in today's dollars. Sixteen, and that's just from her. That's just from her Carnegie thing, I believe, because that's like when she was before this. She was just, you know, right, snapping necks and cashing checks for years. Yeah. So like, it, you got to like add on like another like another cool million on top of that. <laughs> so uh, in March 1905, Cassie Chadwick was found guilty of conspiracy to defraud a national bank and sentenced to ten years in the penitentiary. Don't you dare fuck with those banks. I. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, like Martin Shkreli. Like, the, yeah, he like he went to jail for fraud. He did not go to jail for jacking up the price of AIDS right. drugs. Oh, yeah, that's legal. If you fuck over regular people, you're, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, in the clear. But yeah. if you fuck over a bank, yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fighting words at that point. Now, <laughs> uh, Carnegie himself attended the trial and uh, later had the chance to examine the infamous, infamous promissory notes. And he looked at it and said, if anybody had seen this paper and then really believed that I had drawn it up and signed it, I could have hardly been flattered, he said, pointing out errors <laughs> in spelling and punctuation. Because <laughs> who has time to learn how to read and write when you're fucking busy conning captains of industry? Oh, uh, that's great that they were just like not even good. Yeah, they were yeah, just yeah. misspelled. Yeah. Man, maybe she was, maybe she did have hypnotizing power. She clearly maybe. must have been very charming if people uh, were She had to have been because there was, there was one thing that would have brought it all of it down. Uh, he said, uh, when we asked about it again, Carnegie said, uh, "Why well, I have not signed a promissory note in the last 30 years. <laughs> the whole scandal could have been avoided, he added, if someone had bothered to ask him. <laughs> yeah, just give him a call. Like <laughs> He's like, did anybody think to ask me if this is my daughter they're lending one to? No, no. His homeboy, his like his homeboy lent her 800 grand, you know, like, and, and, and didn't. You know, this is, this is why TMZ is actually good. Because yeah, yeah, if TMZ yeah. had existed at this time, they would have gotten to the bottom of this yes, very quickly. Yeah. TMZ, it, it, it enforces the transparency that we need from the world. And Somebody like, would be bothering Andrew Carnegie about whether he had a kid or not. Like, that yeah. would happen. <laughs> now, uh, now, on January 1st, 1906, Chadwick was sent to the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus. Uh, she brought with her trunks of goods for her prison cell, including clothing, photographs, and furniture. The prison warden allowed it due to her celebrity status. What a time! to be alive nice well see she's she's in the papers so we've got to let her it's put all still her, her that way if you're jail. like yeah. famous enough and and rich enough when you go to jail yeah, yeah. you know oh, yeah, yeah, it's that goodfellas scene where they're making yeah. dinner in the prison cell oh, that's yeah, her man. she's cutting so, garlic with a razor blade she's living <laughs> yeah, the life yeah, yeah. uh man i always think about that um 
about like that that the slicely the thinly sliced onions they melt in the sauce and I get hungry uh, every fucking time. Pat, we are truly fat people. <laughs> yeah, hold on, let's, let's let's derail here. Let's talk about that fucking sauce, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that garlic melting in that oil. Uh, oh God, I'd go to prison for that. I'd go to prison. For that. <laughs> Now, um, as her now uh, her health deteriorated in in, in jail, uh, she began writing explicit instructions for her funeral. I thought it'd be funny. She she began writing explicit stories. <laughs> like whoa, uh, <laughs> she, she be- gets really into fanfic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She instructed her son Emil to send a portion of her hidden funds to Canada for the purchase of a tombstone for the family plot. Chadwick suffered a nervous collapse on seventeenth September nineteen oh seven, leaving her blind. Uh, the New York Times reported that on 9th of October nineteen oh seven, Chadwick was suffering from heart and stomach problems and uh, her doctor stated that she was much worse uh, Chadwick died on her birthday in the Columbus Penitentiary on the 10th of October 1907 at the age of 50 the funeral service was officiated by Reverend, Reverend F.W. Thompson of College Avenue Methodist Church um, and yeah she was buried in Woodstock Ontario in her birthplace uh, the tombstone reads Elizabeth Bigley wife of L.S. Chadwick medical doctor 1859 to 1907 liar cheater yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if anyone lives near there, go visit her grave. Yes. Pay your respects. Yeah. Now, for a time, the Chadwick Mansion on Euclid Avenue uh, in Ohio uh, at East 82nd Street was a tourist destination. In the early 1920s, it was torn down for the construction of the Euclid Avenue Temple, now the Liberty Hill Baptist Church. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully there's some scammer going there to meet uh, Rich Baptist to fuck over now. Yes. Just keep her legacy alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, one thing that, that that does one thing that kind of and this is a, a complete unsubstantiated, but it kind of sheds a little bit. It makes her seem as not a cool person. Uh, there is a, a a story that her her housekeeper, Miss Mary Laundreville, uh, took a satchel uh, for Chad from Chadwick's son, uh, and it was said to have had contained money in it, and then that woman was dead later. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah, well, so, possibly a murderer. Yeah, she may be a murderer. So we we don't want to uh, absolve her of that. So, <laughs> yeah so uh anyways yeah that's that's the story of uh of um oh what's her face fucking uh, cassie chadwick cassie chadwick the uh the fake heir to andrew carnegie um now uh i guess we gotta ask the question worth it i okay so i've been thinking about this a lot while you've been telling me this story because uh, I, I like I went out last night uh, in New York and was I met some I met like a musician I met like a theater person uh, just some like artsy kind of people were they wearing the cat, the cat's outfit from cats <laughs> <laughs> they were all wearing uh, they were all wearing turtlenecks and berets <laughs> nice. and I gotta get there <laughs> but like we all were talking about how basically like the commonality of all like creative people in New York is basically like how can I trick the rich people here into giving me money? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> it's like you want to do your art and you want to make your stuff that yeah. like you care about and is good, but it's like, but what are the rich people going to think is really deep that won't take me a lot of effort? Like yeah. who they'll give me money for. So I feel like I'm un- uncharacteristically sympathetic to this woman because yeah. Yeah. I like, that's kind of the position I find myself in and that like most of my friends here find themselves in is yeah. like, what do we got to do to get like a patron? Like what yeah, do we got to yeah, yeah. do? How do we, how do we uh, 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 dupe a Medici? You know, like, yeah, exactly. Thing, you know? Exactly. You got to yeah. snag yourself a Medici uh, yeah. for your dumb art. And 
that's yeah. like the only way you can you can make it work now. So I want to get that tattoo to my chest. You got to snag up a DG for your dumb art, and this is the only way you can make it work. Now. <laughs> I believe it. I really do. I wish it wasn't that way, but it kind of is. So. Yeah. I don't know if it was worth it though, because like she did die at fifty in prison. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know if it's worth it, but I respect it. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. It. Totally. Yeah. It's it's uh it's like when somebody eats a whole bunch of habanero peppers. Like you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I, I wouldn't it's do it. Our but friend I respect Chris it. Cubis eating one hundred and twenty shrimp at Red Lobster. Like <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't it, recommend I anyone <laughs> do that. But I'm like, I'm glad someone did. He's is he still taking shits from that? Like, because I think he would still be shitting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, guys, uh, thank you uh, for listening today. Uh, we do. Uh, last week we may have had some audio issues on that episode. We are still kind of hammering this out. So um, hopefully this one sounds good. Well, there's no way to know. Yeah, um, thank you for uh, bearing with us with all of this stuff. Um, yeah. I think this one, we had a lot less lags and stuff, so I think it'll be better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're still working out how to do this remotely, but uh, we definitely want to keep doing it. And thank you so much for all your support and your kind words. Yeah. And I'm glad, like, it sucks that we can't do these in person anymore, but I was very flattered when people who found out I was moving were like, oh, does this mean you're going to end the podcast? Please don't end the podcast. Yeah, so like, it was, it was, it was cool. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, that, 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 that definitely felt really good, guys. Uh, it is, I don't know, it, it's, it's, uh, it was fun. To, like, I, I got like, uh, a tweet and a Facebook message about the audio quality of the last episode. And I was just like, who shit, the public is just having an outcry right now. <laughs> but, it, but it was all very positive. It was like, uh, yeah. so, someone on Twitter was just, I, I also love how most of our Twitter followers are, fr- are from your much larger base. So we are just like, <laughs> we, are, we are like kind of becoming like a democratic socialist that will listen to podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you want like a bunch of pot smoking socialists to follow you on the internet, like just, let me know because I can make it happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. It's funny. Uh, the, the lie, cheat, and steal Twitter feed is what I get all my updates from because like mm-hmm. I, I've, I've disabled them all my personal shit because I'm like I you know I don't want to hear that three other people are tweeting you know. So yeah. I, but I haven't gone through and done that on the other one just because I'm lazy and so like I always have like eleven notifications and I chime in and it's always like some very enlightening stuff about the you know, the, the left and the state <laughs> like I, 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 I'm not being sarcastic at all. I sincerely enjoy it. So you guys Aww. are awesome. Thanks for listening. Listening. We and, radicalized uh, Pat. Listeners, yeah, yeah. we radicalized him. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm in, baby. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, thank, thank you guys. It was cool. Everybody reached out, but they were very friendly and positive about it, just saying, like, hey, like, look at, are you guys okay? You know, we noticed the audio was wrong. Yeah. So. All right. Well, cool. Thank, again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please be uh, uh, like us, follow us, rate us, uh, share us uh, with your friends and your family. Uh, check us out on twitter at lcs podcast uh and then uh, of course uh you know make sure you listen to all of the excellent podcasts that are on body tape international uh thanks for tuning in kath i will talk to you next week yeah all right later and remember guys don't get caught don't get caught bye everybody bye.